Golden Gold Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host here with you as always. And in today's show, I'll be previewing wide receivers for fantasy football in 2022, talking about a couple pieces of news, talking about polarizing wide receiver rooms that you guys sent in for me on Twitter, and then going through wide receiver rankings and talking about my opinions on all of them. And I've got a great guest for this show as well. It's going to be a lot of fun having him back, a return guest here on the show who's been on here, I don't know, three, four times, probably something around that range. He's the host of Hutchinson Brown's Fantasy Football Perspective, formerly known as the Young Fantasy Mind Football Podcast, also as a content creator for football guys and a writer for DLF. Hutchinson Brown is back on the show once again. Hutch, it's great to have you back for, I like I said, I think probably the third or fourth time you've been on here. Always good to have a show, do a show with you, and I'm excited to talk some wide receivers today. How are you doing? Doing great, man. Yeah, it's been a while. I haven't, I haven't seen you in a while, man. It's been a little bit since you've been on a show together, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's been super, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, I have been on the show a few times and I'm yeah, super excited to talk wide receivers today. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have you back. Of course, guys, be sure to check out his podcast, wherever you listen, um, football guys, DLF, all that, anything else you want to plug where, where you're at, I guess your Twitter as well. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at TYFMNFL. I'm actually might change that handle as well soon because mm-hmm. the Young Fantasy Mind Football podcast, it was uh, formerly at TYFMNFL, which stands for the Young Fantasy Mind NFL, and I might change that handle. But if you search Hutchinson Brown on Twitter, you'll find me. And I'm on TikTok at Hutchinson Brown as well. But uh, also, I just want to apologize real quick to the listeners. And Calvin, you might have noticed already, my voice is a bit froggy today. I've been really sick over the weekend. My throat's been really sore, so... My voice is definitely a bit froggy. So sorry if it's not a, the most audibly pleasing voice, but it's what I got to work with today. So it's yeah, it's no problem. I didn't really notice. So it sounds fine All to right, me. Cool. But um, yeah, so I guess let's get into it. You brought up a couple pieces of news to me, actually, in our Twitter DM just a moments before the show yeah. that we're going to talk about here. So the first piece of news, Leonard Fournette, he's apparently at about 260 pounds heading into training camp. Bucks coaches aren't happy per report from like NBC Sports Edge. Um, I'll try to find the source specific source for that as well, but apparently he showed up overweight and a lot more than he was weighing last season. He actually was, it was reported that he weighed around 228 pounds during last season. He said he weighed 245 in a tweet that he later deleted. And now, I mean, either way he's up a lot and this is eerily similar to what happened to Eddie Lacey a number of years ago as what's being talked about all over Twitter. So we see Hutch all these like positive news pieces coming out of training camp that are like tend to be very positive. And I feel like we can't take too much stock into that since it's before the season, but this one's like the rare piece that you'll see where it's just negative and there's like problems coming out of training camp. And sometimes that doesn't amount to much, but like, what do you think about this? Is this changing how you view Fournette next year? Um, It isn't changing too much right now, but I love what you said there about the positive, a lot of positive uh, news coming out for training camps and in the off season, because you can't really buy into that much of that stuff because coaches are just hyping up their players. The negative things are what we want to pay more attention to. You know, the news that Traylon Burks not available at camps uh, in the Leonard Fournette news. Now there's always one or two of these pieces of news that are negative. These are the ones we want to pay more attention to. So we want to, keep following this story right now i'm not too concerned i think he can get back into shape and be fine like i'm not too concerned about him but the bucks did draft a prashad white with a decent draft capital this offseason they did invest in some running back pieces this offseason so and, and fournette is older he has had a lot of work on his legs at his new size i don't know if he's going to be able to handle that workload so fournette definitely could is starting to concern me a little bit but I think he'll be able to get back in shape uh, during training camp, and I think he'll be okay for this season. I still got him ranked as a top 12 running back, very confident with him as an RB1. Yeah, it's such a strange situation. We saw like just a couple of years ago, he was cut by the Jaguars too in a surprise move. But at the same time, they didn't think he was cut out for, they either didn't think he was cut out to pick the main role or they had confidence in their guys behind him, which then James Robinson broke out. So that was justified. But then Fournette went to the Bucs and played really well. I don't think he has has had quite the explosiveness he used to over the last couple of years, but he really hasn't been that far from what he used to be, to be honest. But now with like, that's a lot of weight to drop. I think we can agree that at 260 pounds entering the season, if that stays where it's at, that's going to be an issue. And so he's going to, I feel like he's going to have to get back into shape. And we saw this video too. It was actually kind of funny. I saw a couple of weeks ago, I think it was like Fournette was running with guys like Jalen Mills 
and like other guys like DeAndre that, or people yeah. like that. I forget exactly yeah. who on a treadmill. And it was DeAndre and, Swift, Jalen Mills, and one other player. But yeah, mm-hmm. he looked big. Yeah, he video. looked big, and his treadmill also looks to be on a significantly lower setting than the other three guys. It did, yes. Like he, yeah, like he's. It's not like he's putting on muscle. It's like he's out of shape. Like he's putting on fat. Like he looks really out of shape. Like it, if he comes in at two hundred sixty pounds in the season, that's going to be an issue for fantasy purposes. Like he's not going to have the same explosiveness. He's not going to have the same speed, and that's going to be a problem. Absolutely. And we're just going to need to see how that plays out. So I think for now in yeah. July, when we just don't really know and aren't having a ton of fantasy drafts, Fournette's going to be probably bumped down just a little bit for me. Like I, I see him in that kind of borderline RB1 tier. I saw him last year, like coming out of last year as a guy who could continue that workhorse role. And I actually liked his value coming into this year as like an early, if you pick him early in the second round, I was happy with that. But now it seems like more of a tiebreaker if I'm looking at guys in that range. Like I got like James Conner, who I actually also like. But if I'm between those two, I might shift the other direction just because of his the issue with his weight right now. And we could see like, I don't know, like it's it's a problem when players aren't able to maintain like that peak physical condition, not because they're like out of shape compared to the rest of society. But just the fact that to play with the best players in the world, you need to be the best physically. And Fournette is not that at the moment. Yeah. And they have a new rookie now. They have Rashad White. If they wanted to say, like, you know what, you're not playing well. Let's limit your workload. They can do that. Yeah. They can absolutely go out and do that. So it's not like Leonard Fournette is their only option. They have other options to give the ball to a running back. So we definitely have to be concerned with Fournette and 260 pounds. But yeah, this is just a storyline we've got to follow through the offseason. Just hope it he loses a little bit of weight. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess let's move to the other piece of news. Also concerning an RB, Ian Rappaport reports that J.K. Dobbins might not be ready for week one. Now, what he said in the video, he was kind of on NFL Network and was like, it's no sure thing that for uh, Dobbins is going to be ready for week one per some in the Ravens organization. And he kind of talked about the injury in specific. It seemed more speculation than anything. But then Dobbins went on Twitter and he said, "Okay, I'm tired of being quiet. Come to me for your source at Rap Sheet because I might not even go on PUP on the pup list because that's how good my rehab is going. And I'm sure going to be ready for week one. So interesting. He has a lot of confidence clearly. And I think I believe that JK Dobbins, like I don't think that report was necessarily saying that he's not going to be ready for week one. So as of right now, I feel like Dobbins, we will see him on the field. Like no, no doctor, obviously I'm not a doctor, but that seems like the consensus here coming into week one. I do feel though, as though, I mean, coming off of his injury, ACL, take a long recovery time. Maybe we see him limited for the first couple of weeks. What do you think about Dobbins? Like, do you think he comes back limited? Do you think he misses week one? Do you think he comes back full health? What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I think he's going to come back and definitely start off a bit slow. I mean, after missing an entire year of football, you're going to start off slow when you come back. It just got how it's going to work. Dobbins is going to definitely to start slow, but I think, look, he's by the time he were back in, you know, August, September, when the season started up, he's going to have a full calendar year of recovery under his belt like that for an ACL tear. That's a pretty long time for his type of injury. That's a pretty long time. He should be able to come back week one, at least play, I don't know, like 68, like 70, 80%. Like he should be able to play Uh pretty relatively healthy, but for Dobbins for fantasy purposes, I'm still out. Like, I, I don't care that his price is dropping. I don't care where he's going. I'm still out because Dobbins for me does not present much upside the only reason i ever see dobbins hitting the top 12 right now for this season is if he gets an absolutely insane amount of touchdowns that's Mm -hmm. it that's the only reason because he's stuck in a committee where he's probably only going to see i don't know 12 to 16 carries a game where he's going to get no receiving work because he's never been a good receiving back through college through the nfl career so far he hasn't seen he hasn't been any good of a receiver and Lamar, when he sees pressure, he's not throwing a running backs. He's running, and he's trying to get 10 yards. He's not throwing the running backs for, like, three yards. So for Dobbins' fantasy purposes, it doesn't matter that his price is dropping. I still have confidence in that he's healthy, but even for fantasy, I'm still, like, out. Like, I just don't believe mm-hmm. that Dobbins presents much upside without touchdowns because he can have, like, a 15-carry, 90-yard game. That's, like, six yards a carry. He can have an awesome game. And end up with nine fantasy points. Yeah, exactly. And suck. Like, he's going to disappoint you. Without touchdowns, Dobbins is going to be frustrating. So, along with the injury, with the fact that he's going to be touchdown dependent, 
I think he's going to be such a headache for fantasy managers this year. I feel like he's going to be one of the most insufferable players in fantasy this year to deal with on your roster that I just don't want any part of him. Yeah, it's hard. And I I mean, I don't mind the price of Dobbins at the moment, given that like he's the RB23 on fantasy pros. You're not drafting a guy there and expecting like him to have realistic top 12 upside, which I, I agree with you. I don't think Dobbins has that. He doesn't have the upside in the passing game and he is too touchdown dependent at the moment. I would take a guy like Brees Hall, who's at the RB20 ahead of him all day. Oh, a guy like Travis Etienne, just because he has more upside than JK Dobbins. But like, if you're looking for a safe option, who is, we know he's probably going to end up what are in the top 30 RBs. He might start off the season a little bit slow, might not ever like hit a crazy threshold in terms of fantasy points, but at RB 23, I don't mind that price. Once you get out of there, you've got a guy like Elijah Mitchell around there at RB 24. And then it's kind of just a teardrop and the guys I really like either guys in timeshares guys or like, just like Miles starters Sanders, who are massively Devin disappointed. Terry, yeah, like Miles Sanders, Devin Singletary. Uh, who else is in that tier? Rashad Penny, maybe kind of Edwards Alaire. It's Edwards hard to Hilaire, take yeah, shots a on lot. Those guys. Yeah, I'd take Dobbins over all those guys still because mm-hmm. Dobbins is a, I think he's a supreme, I think he could be like the next Nick Chubb of the NFL, honestly. Like his build, his efficiency metrics scream Nick Chubb. And I feel like for fantasy, we could see a very similar outcome too because. Chubb is a very, you know, touchdown dependent guy that doesn't get a lot of receptions because of his backfield mate, Kareem Hunt. I feel like Dobbins could experience the same thing because of Gus Edwards in his backfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's just, yeah, and that, that, that's another thing you mentioned. Gus Edwards coming back. I mean, they've got, I love he's Gus not Edwards. just the only guy in that backfield. And then with Lamar too, there's, he's going to have to be efficient. And he really was in 2020, but he had like, he averaged over six yards a carry and just a ton of touchdowns. It was not really sustainable at that level where he was, he was producing top 12 numbers then, but I mean, for a small sample size. Yeah, it was a very small sample size. Like it was like the last six games of that 2020 season. And what a lot of people actually don't realize Dobbins was great. Gus Edwards was actually a top 24 back in PPR in that span. He had more Mm -hmm. receptions and more targets than Dobbins in that span as well. Like Gus Edwards yep. was actually pretty good for fantasy and he's going way later than Dobbins right now. So I'm taking the value on Edwards all day over Dobbins. Yeah. I feel like Edwards dropped about 15 spots in consensus just because he got hurt, which I mean, that's not a just because situation entirely, but like he did drop behind a lot of guys who like with the, with the spot where at RB 50, he's interesting in the late rounds. I like that shot for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So let's move over to polarizing receiver rooms. So what I did this week, I posted a question on Twitter. I said, in your opinion, who is the most polarizing wide receiver being discussed on fantasy Twitter? What's your stance on them? And maybe I'll do that again. I don't know. I mean, for like another, if I need ideas for an episode or like for tight ends next week, who knows, but got a few responses that we can talk about. And I wanted to ask people for their stance to see if we agreed or not. So let's see. So let's go through it. There's a few rooms I'm going to talk about the first, let's see, which question should I go with? Um, Hutch, you can pick. Which comment do you think I should go with first? Oh, yeah, I'm at, sorry, I actually don't have it pulled up. Oh, no problem. You might just have to pick. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll find it, but you just have to pick. Okay, it. I'll go ahead and pick it then in that case. Uh, yeah, that was, kind of, that was a br- kind of abrupt the way I just threw it to you over there. But, no, um, it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. I just didn't have it pulled up. I wanted to be surprised. By yeah, that. absolutely. I will, okay, I'll surprise you. I'll go with Chef Joe FF first, who says, it's not wide receiver in specific, but the Denver wide receiver room is very polarizing with everyone having different takes. I see Sutton as the wide receiver one for Russ, but I don't see Judy being the next guy for fantasy. Just a weird feeling I have nothing to actually back it up, but uh, that's what he posted. So let's see. I mean, that's a good, that's a good answer for sure. The Denver wide receiver yes, room, because answer. I think that's one of the ones where you just, like he said, you don't really know for sure. And it's not really consensus mm-hmm. in terms of who's going to be the number one. I see it as Sutton, who's had the more proven track record and has been like more dominant, I feel like, especially in the vertical game than Jerry Judy. But I want to hear your thoughts. Like, how close are they for you next year? Yeah, for me, it's Sutton all the way. I am definitely in on I'm kind of agreeing with uh, Joe here. Was it Chef Joe or what that was? His Chef name? Joe, I think. Yeah. yeah Chef yeah. Joe. I'm kind of agreeing with him here. I'm not super in on Jerry Judy. I think there's potential there, but I'm in on Corlton Sutton right now. He's a top 15 wide receiver in my rankings. Jerry Judy's right around wide receiver 30 for me. So I do see potential for Judy, but I'm much more in on Cortland Sutton. I mean, Cortland Sutton just resembles a DK Metcalf of, for Russell Wilson for me. I mean, they're both very similar built wide receivers. Obviously, DK Metcalf a little bit bigger, a little bit faster. I think I think Cortland Sutton is a poor man's DK Metcalf who can get who can make a huge threat in the red zone, who can make big time plays. 
And that's what Russell Wilson's going to love to do with him. And then with Tim Patrick on the side as side as side, well in this. Oh, sorry. I think, I think I froze up for a second. I, I might've missed the very end of what you said, but I think, um, yeah, I don't know why I did that. That was weird. But yeah, I think I got, I, I guess I got the gist of that, but I, I'm with you on Sutton. I think he's the one in that offense for sure. There are a lot of guys there and I think Russ poses an upgrade for them, but like, I wonder, I tr- just wonder what his ceiling is for next year. Cause I feel like you're, I, it's hard to say like his ceiling is top five, but at the same time, Russell Wilson did produce that like top eight season for DK Metcalf, although him being inconsistent. So I don't know, like, I think for the Seahawks who struggled last year, it's really going to be a question of was Russ the problem or a little bit, or was it really just the supporting cast around him and the play calling that caused them to struggle or Russ's injury? Like, is he going to come back fully and uh, support guys? And he might be able to support two elite wide receivers who knows. So I think there's some risk involved there. And I see Judy a lot and uh, Judy and Sutton a lot. Like I saw Lockett and Metcalf in Seattle I just feel like there's a lot of risk there and a lot of potential inconsistency because we know Russ didn't like to feed the same guy every week in Seattle. And sometimes you'd see a Tyler Lockett bust game right after he just went crazy for fantasy football. It's hard to predict. Okay. So the problem with that take is, is that Russell Wilson didn't really get to cook in Seattle. He didn't really have like the, the Seattle Seahawks offense was a very, has been a very run first offense, you know, with Pete Carroll running, running the ball. You know, with Chris Carson, with, you know, uh, with, yeah, just with Chris Carson, with their other running backs they've had in their history, they just have not been a pass heavy team. I feel like uh, a lot of Denver's new coaching staff coming from Green Bay, who, whose strategy was let Aaron Rodgers do something like, like that, that was their strategy. Their, their strategy was Aaron Rodgers, please do something for us or else we're going to lose. I feel like they're going to let Russell Wilson unleash in this offense. They have an amazing wide receiver core to do so. I think Russell Wilson could honestly hit 40 pass attempts per game this year. And that's going to let a lot of volume go for in for these wide receivers. So I feel like it was less Russ's fault that the the Tyler Lockett's of the world and DK Metcalf's were inconsistent in Seattle and more the volume that Russell Wilson was given. That's fair. And I think we saw for the beginning of like really 2020 when it was less let Russ cook DK and Lockett were both great for fantasy football. Yeah. But then it's been through multiple offensive coordinators and it seems like teams figured that out after a little while to the point where like, I don't know, it's such a hard situation to judge because you watch Russ and he looks so talented on the field, but then doesn't always give his receivers consistent production. So you could be right for sure. And I think maybe having a better running game in Seattle or in Denver, like Seattle had Chris Carson, who is good, but I think Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams is a better backfield than that. And that might help. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's going to be a much better run game, a better offensive line to help out Russell Wilson. Yeah. I I'm more, I'm pretty in on the Denver offense. I honestly think that Russell Wilson's has the potential to be unleashed this year. And I think he has number one overall upside at the quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he does with the offensive line upgrade and the receivers. It's just like, I, I guess the receivers are the only thing you could really consider to be a downgrade. But then in the, in the end, at the end of the day, Sutton and Judy are both guys who could have breakouts next year, especially Cortland Sutton, who I do like at his value currently in drafts, getting him in that later wide receiver two range. That's a smash for me. He's at wide receiver 21. I mean, he's behind some guys who, I, I mean, I would easily take Sutton over a few guys who are ahead of him. Like, I mean, Mike Williams, who has been great, but very inconsistent. I would rather have Sutton. I feel like the wide yeah, receiver one in a Russ led Denver offense seems much better than that to me. Yeah. Sutton for me is right around wide receiver 15. I've got him right around 15. Like he, uh-huh. he's going to be somebody that I'm definitely targeting a lot in drafts. Cause that upside is just, I mean, we saw what Matthew Stafford was able to do with Cooper cup this year. I'm not saying that that's going to happen. But we saw what that capability, what those capabilities are. If Russell Wilson really develops a relationship with Cortland Sutton, those two could have an unbelievable season. Mm, absolutely. So I guess let's jump into the next one. Oh, I lost the thread on my thing for some reason. So let me go. Oh, I'm going to click the link. I have it get here. back to that. Okay, awesome. I guess you, yeah, go ahead and read the next one if you want. All right. So at Pablo, uh, say this wrong, probably going to say this wrong, Gigante or Gigante7 says maybe Gabriel Davis right now. Yeah, the most controversial wide receiver in fantasy or the most polarizing wide receiver in fantasy. Yeah, I figured this would be mentioned. I was surprised it wasn't every single comment in the thread. So we have more content. What do you think about Gabriel Davis? Yeah, Gabe Davis is somebody that is really polarizing. He's somebody that people I love or people hate. I'm kind of on the more fade side, honestly, with Gabe Davis. 
I really don't see – I definitely see the potential because this is a great passing offense, great quarterback. The number two spot, like the number two receiving option for Josh Allen is open. That job is open right now. But they brought in Jamison Crowder. Dawson Knox could take a step forward from this year. I remember Dawson Knox's career so far looks very, very eerily similar to what Mark Andrews put up in his first few seasons as a Raven. We saw him a lot, like very touchdown dependent one year and the next year. He just became an absolute volume monster. And I feel like we could see something similar with Dawson Knox as a Buffalo Bill, get some more volume in there this year. Like, I don't think he was going to catch 50 balls. again. I think he'd catch a lot more. And then they brought in James Crowder, a monster out of the slot. They can take a lot of targets. And they obviously have Stephon Diggs still. They drafted James Cook, a great pass-catching running back. I just don't think that there's ever going to be a consistent number two option on this team. I think it's going to be like a merry-go-round all year long between who has the good game between Jamison Crowder, Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, and James Cook. I feel like they're all going to have some good games, some explosive games. And I know Gabe Davis does have the talent, but yeah, I really just don't see him uh, taking that step. And uh, right now on underdog, he's going in like the fourth or fifth round of drafts. And that's just stupid. Like that's just stupid. That's too high. it's just ridiculous. I mean, in your home leagues, like I've seen him on sleeper drafts, he's usually going like the seventh or eighth round. That is much more acceptable to me. I'm willing to take that shot. But the problem is I see Jameson Crowder in like the 15th round. And I'm like, I'd much rather take that shot like so many rounds later. Yeah. And on fantasy pros, he's 37 spots back of Gabriel Davis, who yeah. at like, yeah, yeah, in the fourth or fifth round, that's just definitely too high. He's in that spot where it's like, once you get to that wide receiver 25 through like 40 range, I feel like every analyst will have them ranked really just dramatically differently where like the wide receiver yeah. four, and that's because there's such like a minimal margin between how good most of these guys are. So I don't mind taking Gabriel Davis in the thirties, maybe as your wide receiver three, if you're do really a believer, yeah, but solid. there's Crowder, there's Knox, like you said, I mean, it's hard. It could just be a rotating cycle for the wide receiver too. A lot like it was last year where they yeah, really just exactly. didn't have a consistent one. Exactly what it was last year. Like Emmanuel Sanders for the first half was a great option for fantasy. You could pick him off of the waiver wire every week. He'd put up solid points. And then you'd have Cole Beasley's jumping in every once in a while. Dawson Knox in the second, a lot more in the second half with his, you know, touchdown games. Like it was just so tough to predict the number two receiver for the bills every single week. I just don't want to deal with that headache. So I'm just going to take the guy who's going latest. And I'll also take a couple shots at Dawson Knox as well because of what I was saying earlier. I think there could be more volume there potentially because of what we saw from Mark Andrews and what we saw from Dawson Knox in their early starts to their careers. Their careers. Absolutely. So, yeah, but that's like pretty much the most polarizing receiver there is on fantasy. Yeah, he career. might be the most polarizing player in all of fantasy, Gabe Davis, because like he, he's someone that either you hate or you love. Yeah, and exactly. If you're hard. not, if you're not on another analyst side, they hate you. Yeah, it's <laughs> like pretty it's, much hard. It's hard to have any middle ground on that one. And yeah. again, like I am happy, pleasantly surprised that every answer was not Gabe Davis, so that we have more yeah, guys to talk definitely. about. Definitely. So two more here. For uh, this next one is from B Rigger thirty two, who says the obvious answer is probably Gabe Davis. A Rob is another. I'm mostly out on Gabe. I'm coming around on A Rob. So we just talked about Gabriel Davis, obviously. But like Allen Robinson, I'm kind of with him in a way. That's a guy I'm kind of coming around on because he seems like if you get the Allen Robinson who was who he was a couple of years ago when he was a borderline wide receiver one volume kind of guy, you could get a really, really good role in this pass heavy Rams offense, even though he's the wide receiver two behind Cooper Cup. Like he feels like he feels like he has upside that far exceeded what Robert Woods had when he was there. And also what we've been saying for years and years is that if Allen Robinson gets a quarterback, he could be fantastic. He's got that and he's got the role and Odell. I mean, like he's still a free agent. So at this point is Allen Robinson, how much upside does he have next year? Robinson for me is somebody that I've just kind of been neutral on. I've been got I've got him in a couple of drafts, but not really anything crazy. He's not really someone I'm coming around on too much because I'm truly scarred by last year because I watched a lot of him. I went back and watched a lot of him. He like he wasn't trying a lot of the plays. Like he was just done. And that might be just he was done with the Bears. That also might mean he was just done with football. It could be either or, and we don't know. 
And the problem is, I also see this offense taking a step back in pass attempts this year. I think Matthew Stafford is going to take a step back as a fantasy quarterback this year. I think with Cam Akers coming back, I believe in him. I think he's going to be the workhorse running back, and they're going to want to run the ball with him and just let him be the workhorse back, let him dominate. So I really believe that this offense is going to take a step back in passing attempts. And unfortunately, it's going to hurt Robinson in my fantasy rankings. Right now, I've got him just outside the wide receiver two range. So he's fine where he's ranked in his APs. He's fine for me, but he's not going to be someone I'm heavily targeting. That's fair. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are. I don't know if that offense is necessarily going to just take a step back because they have similar weapons than what they had. Like they, they had Robert Woods get hurt, then signed OBJ, but like they pretty much had like two solid receivers to rely on the whole season and continue to just pass the ball. I don't see any reason why they're not going to feed Cooper cup. I think he's, he's easily my wide receiver one again, but Robinson, like right now, wide receiver 24 fantasy pros price. That is it's kind of high. And I feel like it's higher than it was earlier in the off season. And there are reports that Odell might go back. Like the Rams want him back for next year. And obviously he'll probably miss the start of the season, but then yeah, there's that question. He's a player that will not be ready for week one, getting an ACL yeah, tear in the yeah. Super Bowl, He will not be ready. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, he could end up being back later in the season. Obviously we just never know, but at the same time, like, but I, I just see Robinson coming in. Now he's in that wide receiver two role. Like, it's there's him and there's Van Jefferson and I see Allen Robinson even like a past his prime Allen Robinson is more likely to get targets than Van Jefferson so like coming in maybe he doesn't have that elite upside just because Cooper Cup is there but a solid wide receiver too is definitely within his range of outcomes maybe even a borderline top 12 guy and the floor is there the risk is there maybe he's just done but I'm happy to take the risk where he's at if and if he falls a little bit in drafts, I'll snatch that up. And I think I've got a potential guy with high upside. Yeah, you've got a lot of high upside there. There's just usually like in the fifth, sixth round, like where he's going, there's just a lot of receivers. There's a lot of players there that I just usually prefer over Allen Robinson. So unfortunately, it just leads to me not taking him. Mm-hmm. Like there's usually like players when you look at his, like who's he going around right now? Where's his ADP at? Um, he's around like Amari Cooper's two spots ahead. Hollywood is one spot. Like that's, those are fair. I would say, especially Hollywood, that might go ahead. But then I feel like behind there is a lot of a teardrop, like a Jerry Judy, a Darnell Mooney. I might go with Darnell Mooney ahead of Allen. I'd Robinson. go with Mooney. I see Brandon Cooks going near him a lot in drafts as well. I would take Brandon Cooks all day over Allen Robinson. Yeah, I would yeah. take Darnell Mooney all day over Allen Robinson. Like there's usually a couple guys there and, and quarterback with Jalen Hurts going usually around the sixth round. Uh, there's just guys there that I usually like over Allen Robinson. It's not that I hate Allen Robinson. Just, I just tend to like other guys there better. Yeah. It's just, I think after that, though, for the most part, you do see like a lot of guys behind there, like a, a guy like Judy. It, he has kind of limited upside as well. And I would rather, I, I trust the Rams offense more currently than I'm going to trust this Broncos offense, even with yeah, Russ definitely. coming in. So Robinson feels like the guy with higher upside there. Then there's a guy like Bateman. That's a hard decision because he might have a more more opportunity, but maybe more inconsistent if Lamar Jackson doesn't throw the ball a ton. Michael Thomas, he's always a question mark. Elijah Moore, Gabriel Davis, guys like that. They're all oh, very take close, Elijah Moore but Robinson has a lot of upside, and I think maybe more than some of those guys do. I take Elijah Moore. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore is somebody I'm great. Elijah Moore, I have him at wide receiver 20 right now. Oh, wow. I'm super, yeah. I am super high on Elijah Moore. So, Fair yeah, I, I get why not, but I am – yeah, I'm Elijah Moore, a crazy person right now. I'm a huge fan of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was great last year. I think he's going to be the wide receiver one in this offense again, even though – I mean, he's got the, the year edge of connection with Zach Wilson. Like, Garrett Wilson's not going to step in and just become the guy. It's Elijah Moore there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that Elijah Moore is going to be the clear number one. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yeah, it's interesting, though. I don't mind Robinson at cost – if wide receiver, if hopefully I'm hoping like wide receivers in general are slipping in a draft and then Robinson drops a little bit and then I can grab him so that I don't have to pay that full price. But I mean, he's close with a lot of guys around there. Uh, last guy here. This one isn't actually a polarizing player, but at Cody Folden commented, he says, I'm surprised more people aren't talking about Rondale Moore at TBH. There was such a craze for him last year, and now his situation improves drastically with Hopkins suspension and Kirk gone. And now we're not talking about him like at all. And it's true. I mean, I haven't seen anything about Rondale Moore this entire offseason. I would couldn't tell you, like, I'm scrolling right now to find out where he's ranked on Fantasy Pros because I don't know where he is. He's ranked. 
Like it can't be that high because I haven't seen much talk about him like whatsoever, but the role could be there. Like it's, it's Hollywood there for the first part of the season. And everyone's going crazy because Hollywood is all alone in this offense. And I love that for him. And I think he could start off the season really strong, but who else is going to be the wide receiver too? Have we labeled Rondell Moore as a bust after just one season? I don't think we should. Like, what do you think about that? Cause like, he could end up being a bust. Obviously he didn't really perform a ton in year one, but he had some flashes. Like he has the, all the opportunity now to step it up. I'm specifically remembering one catch from Andre Moore on the sideline. He had an absolutely just, he just like, he had a toe tap on the sideline and reached across like all the way across his body to get a ball. And it was just unbelievable catch. He did make some great flashes last year as a rookie and I feel like you're discounting Zach Ertz a little bit. I feel like he's going to be very involved in this offense That's as well. True, and, when yeah. Hopkins, and when Hopkins comes back, I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins. He's going to be using this offense when he comes back. So Rondale Moore, I absolutely see a potential for a role, but I don't see him as anything more than a dart throw. I really don't. That's fair. But at fit, wide receiver 57, like yes, that like that that is like that is a, that's great. That's a great dart throw to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll be looking for him late in drafts, probably. I mean, I'm not a guy maybe I'm going out to get and reaching on. That's not going to be what's happening. Yeah, that's like, not going to be me either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around there. And I think I, I don't know, like Morris definitely been that short to intermediate route guy for them when he was catching passes last year. That can be something from Zacherts. That can be threatened by Zacherts a little bit. But at the same time, you're talking about one guy operates on the outside almost exclusively with wide receiver screens. And the other one is kind of an underneath option over the middle. So who knows how that their work kind of cuts into each other. I think there's enough for both of them. If Rondo Moore actually is that guy. Yeah, definitely. There, there, there could definitely, I mean, we got Kyla Murray. This is a high powered, high pace of play offense. And yeah, you definitely got a lot of room here for Rondo Moore to succeed. Yeah, for sure. All right. So now let's move into wide receiver rankings. We're going to run down the rankings here on fantasy pros in half point PPR leagues. Talk about our thoughts on as many of these guys as we can here. And maybe a few other like more polarizing guys at the end, who knows, whatever we can get to, but let's get started. Get the, let's run down these rankings. And at the top here at number one, of course, was the number one receiver from last year, Cooper cup, who we mentioned earlier. He's at the top of his, the rankings for me because, to me, no other player has the combination Not of just keep being a PPR gem, but also having incredible downfield upside and just never being shut down. Like, I can't – there was no bad game for Cooper Cup last year. Like, I, I can't remember a single one. There's no – like, if you look at his game log, it was just like nine receptions, eight receptions, all these games over 100 yards, so many touchdowns. He would not stop. And you kept expecting it, but every single time he was in your starting lineup, I don't think he had a disappointing game, except for maybe those times when he would put up like wide receiver two numbers and you were disappointed because it wasn't elite like he usually is, but that's still quality starting production. So like is Cooper Hutchins, I would say he's easily at the top of my rankings. Is it the same for you next year in wide receivers? No, I did. I did say it while you were talking. I don't know if you heard me, but I said, not me. He is not my wide receiver one. He is number two for me. Sorry. I've got uh, Justin Jefferson at number one overall right now, Cooper Cup at two, and then Jamar Chase at three, all in the same tier for me at tier one. I feel like all three of those guys could be the number one receiver next year. I wouldn't be too surprised. But, I I mean, Cooper Cup is great, but, I mean, after such a – I don't like betting on the number one guy from last year because it rarely ever repeats. I know Cooper Cup had such a legendary season, but it just doesn't ever repeat – there's been a lot of changes in this offense over the past uh, this past offseason with getting rid of Robert Woods. OBJ is going to be gone. Allen Robinson's here. Kim Akers is back. Matthew Stafford might have some touchdown regression after an extremely high touchdown rate uh, this past season. Like I feel like there's a lot of changes going on in this offense that people aren't talking about. Cooper Cup's going to be great, but I honestly see. I mean, I honestly see just. I, I mean, we can talk about Justin Jefferson in a bit. But I just see Josh Jefferson having an historic season. I'll explain why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I actually had, I heard you say that and then just like wiped it out of my brain and then like went back to it. And I was like, is Cooper Cup your wide receiver one? But yeah, so anyway, I mean, I guess it's good to have a differing opinion. But at the same time, like I, I agree with you. I would see, I guess, Justin Jefferson is the guy who's like next most likely to become wide receiver one. But just, I guess the one thing I would say is that I don't, I wouldn't agree with your statement about like not betting on the guy who did it just because last year, just because he did it last year, because like 
obviously I would probably take the field over Cooper cup, like everybody else to be the wide receiver one, any of them over Cooper cup. And you're right that it's rare that a guy repeats in multiple seasons. But when you think about it, like what's the chances that a wide receiver two, like the wide receiver two overall from the last season comes and becomes the wide receiver one next year, or the, like the wide receiver three individually or the wide receiver four individually. It just depends. It's low because last year Cooper yeah. Cup was like going as a wide receiver two, and then he comes in and becomes the wide receiver one. It's low for any individual player. So I'm not using the lack of repeats as like specifically, because you can apply that same logic to the wide receiver two overall in any given season, at least in my opinion. Yeah, it's just tough. I just don't like betting on players after historic seasons, like uh, after legendary seasons or seasons where, there was a big outlier in their statistics or there was just something that they did was so legendary that it's hard to repeat to do it. Like when Christian McCaffrey averaged over, like he was averaging like nearly 30 touches a game. And I was just out because I was like that, like his body is not going to, be able to repeat that. Like that's just impossible. You can't repeat that as a running back. Like it's just not going to happen. And then, you know, with, you just can't bet on the number one. I just don't like betting on the number one player to repeat because usually all they have to go is down, and I, and usually they just end up going down too far to finish number one again. But I could totally see a World War Cooper Cup finishes number one. I just want to bet. I mean, can we move? Do we want to move on to Justin Jefferson, who's probably number two in fantasy pros? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. Why do you have Jefferson so, at one? So I've got Jefferson number one because I mean I've loved hearing this new pass heavy offense. I've loved hearing about this new pass heavy offense that they might be running in Minnesota, and we have some coaching staff from formerly of the Rams here in minnesota now and i think that justin jefferson with adam thielen still on the down uh on the decline irv smith still a big question mark kj osborne still a big question mark talent conklin gone like the the this offense is just and you know a, a former coach zimmer did not love kirk cousins like he clearly just did not like kirk cousins a bunch of players have come out and said so uh including former uh vikings linebacker can't remember the name but recently on twitter he came out and said that but I think that they're going to let Kirk Cousins go this year, especially with Dalvin Cook obviously getting older, you know, dealing with a lot of injuries lately. They're going to want to maybe ease the workload on him a little bit, pass a little bit more. And I think that's just going to set up Justin Jefferson to have, honestly, a Cooper Cup-level season. Like, they're just going to have a season where he is the guy of this offense. He is the complete guy. He's only gotten better as his career gone on. I could see absolutely see, like, an 1,800-yard season for Justin Jefferson this year, I would not be surprised at all. So Justin Jefferson, I've got him in wide receiver one, and I love taking him at like number five or six overall in drafts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fair. And I could see a world again where like Justin Jefferson, he becomes a wide the wide receiver one overall because there's that opportunity. If Adam Thielen is truly on the decline, which I don't know, I'm a little more hesitant to bet on that. Maybe just because he's been putting up solid production, still been a great red zone threat. It could happen. He's getting up there for sure. But the re other reason I'm taking Cooper Cup is just because I trust the Rams offense to be more pass heavy than the Vikings with Matthew Stafford as a better QB than Kirk yeah. Cousins and consistency. Last year, we saw Cooper Cup. He only had one game with five receptions or fewer all last season. And Justin Jefferson had six. Justin Jefferson had four games with four receptions or fewer and Cooper Cup didn't have any. So I would rather have a guy who has that floor most of the time as my wide receiver one. And the great part about Cooper cup too, is that he had no shortage of wide receiver one overall performances, whether you want to talk PPR or standard, he had just as many big games as just Jefferson did. So I'm, I don't like, I, I'm not betting on the outlier either here with Cooper cup. I'm not saying he's going to put up 191 targets, 1,947 yards, but he was far and away above Justin Jefferson in both categories. And Jefferson's still young. He can still take that leap but he was far and away better and far and away more consistent last year to where he could see a loss. He could lose like four touchdowns or he could lose more than four touchdowns. He could lose six, six, um, six touchdowns, 300 yards, still be on the level of what Justin Jefferson was last year. And that's a lot of fantasy points being lost overall. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I definitely see the argument. I just see Justin Jefferson. I just like betting on when, when I come into fantasy football, I usually like betting on players where their stock is rising rather than where there's only one way to go and that's down. I don't like betting on players that only have one direction to go and that direction's down. I usually like betting on players that are rising. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Which for the rising player here is Justin Jefferson, while I think Cooper Cup only has one way to go and that's down. Yeah, that's true. He probably has peaked. I, that's for sure. Like, I, I, don't, yes. I don't see 2,000 yards. He's in his had, I mean, you could debate he had the best wide receiver season of all time. 
Yeah. Like he's not going to go out and put up more yards and more touchdowns. Like that's not going to happen. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to the wide receiver three, the last guy you said was kind of in that top tier. And I agree with you on that. Yeah. And it's Jamar Chase. Chase is the only other guy on here who, yeah, I think has a realistic chance of finishing at the wide receiver one. Like maybe Devontae Adams, maybe Tyreek Hill. I like both. Those are probably my next two receivers overall. And I actually like Hill more than Ooh, the consensus. Hill. But what'd you say? I said Hill that high. That's interesting. I've got Hill way lower mm. than that. Yeah, I would have Hill. I haven't actually finalized my rankings, but I would have Hill at like four or five, which I guess we'll get to in a bit. But um, just in general for Jamar Chase, he put up just incredible efficiency numbers last year to where he didn't even catch that many passes, but like would catch so many deep balls and somehow would like come through for you enough to where he had a few inconsistent games and some like a couple of like really awful games, but most of the time would put up some solid numbers and just had incredible weeks. Everyone remembers week 17 when he had 266 yards against Kansas city. And they'll remember that forever because that was a fantasy championship winning week. And it was his rookie year. There's nowhere to go, but up. And so for someone who loves like guys on the rise, like you said, I mean, Chase's numbers were not as good as Jefferson's numbers, like in terms of yards and receptions, I guess. But in terms of touchdowns, in terms of yards per catch, he was even higher. And so you have to think if that target share goes up, then Chase might even have just like game breaking kind of upside. Yeah, Justin, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, Jamar Chase, I think he has uh, room to grow. I feel like people are wanting to call a sophomore slump year for Jamar Chase. I don't think so. I think Jamar Chase has a lot of room to go up. You think about Justin Jefferson's season, he had below 90 receptions. Mm -hmm. Jamar Chase only had, I think he had 83 this year. I might be wrong on that number. 81, I I think. It was 81? Yeah. Yeah, it was like both of them, both Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase were about in the 80s for receptions in their rookie year. And then you look at what Justin Jefferson did in this next season. Like he just had a huge uptick in receptions. I'm sorry, I'm pull, I'm trying to find the uh, Justin Jefferson his second year receptions right now. Yeah, yeah he Justin had Jefferson 108 on 167 yeah. targets, so huge upgrade. Huge upgrade. He only had 88 receptions in rookie year, 108, 20 more catches, and two over 200 more yards. And I feel like with Jamar Chase, we're gonna see a similar thing. I mean, Joe Burrow and Joe uh, Jamar Chase are only getting stronger as a connection together. I mean, they played together through college and now one year in the NFL, they're only going to get stronger as a connection. And I feel like after what see, seeing what uh, Joe Burr was able to do, the Bengals are going to up the pass temps a bit. I feel like they were they were a, a middle, middle of the pack team in pass temps per game last year. They only averaged just over 30 a game. And I feel like they're going to want to up those a little bit, seeing what Joe Burrow did last year, maybe ease the work a little bit on Joe Mixon, who is getting older now as a running back. I think they were going to want to ease the workload on him and just let Jamar Chase cook. I mean, that doesn't mean I don't believe in T. Higgins. I love T. Higgins. He's a top 10 wide receiver. For me, Tyler Boyd is a great sleeper. I love him in drafts. I still believe in these other options, but I do think that Jamar Chase is going to be more of a volume player this year rather than the deep play, crazy explosive games, crazy bus games like he was last year. I think we see a more consistent Jamar Chase. That would be great. I would like, I mean, that's exactly what we need. And I do see a leap for Jamar chase in year two, for sure. Those Jefferson numbers, like he did go up a lot and he still went up even in his pace. Obviously he got added the extra week though, with week 18. So like that takes off of that, like year two jump just a little, but his targets went up by like 39. So that's still just a massive amount either way. And chase chase's numbers, like I mean, I think his yardage, they were really right around Jefferson's rookie year. Like you talked about, his yardage was just a tiny bit more. So they really just both had historic seasons. And Chase could rise to those. I think Chase rises to those year two. Chase had more yards and a lot more touchdowns, while Jefferson had a lot more receptions. Yeah, absolutely. So I see Chase putting up like similar fantasy production to what Jefferson did in year two. Yeah, I see that kind of season from him. Mm -hmm. Let's run through these next few guys. We'll probably end up getting through maybe the top 12. Um, I'll group these guys together in this next tier, I guess. Stefan Diggs and Devontae Adams are at four and five. Both consistent wide receivers. One of them just switched teams, but they've been dominant for the past few years. I think I like Adams actually over Diggs just because I think Adams, I think Adams with Carr is not necessarily a bad thing. Like, I don't know if Derek Carr who did play with Devontae Adams previously. I don't know if that's going to limit him necessarily if Adams is the only option there, just being peppered with targets, because Derek Carr is not a bad QB. And 
he's Adams is going to be get, get, get that consistent volume that Diggs has. And I mean, sometimes you see Diggs not get like Josh Allen will be a guy who maybe runs it in at the goal line a little more. Or, I mean, there's a guy like Dawson Knox there too. Like Diggs isn't a huge, like touchdown upside guy necessarily. And also like, I mean, he's been putting up a lot of receptions, but over the last couple of years, hasn't had that insane season. I think Adams has a little more upside to do that, but they're very close together. So I'm interested to hear what you think. Yeah, I've got Diggs at four and Adams at five. So I am in line with fantasy pros on those two players. So pretty much in line with fantasy pros, happy bear rankings just in general. I mean, I've cup and Jefferson switched up, but that's it. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think Adams is going to be great this year with Derek Carr. He played together in college. There, I mean, there it's Devontae Adams. You you trust him. He's on another team. You still trust him. And then Diggs got the major extension this offseason, still with Josh Allen, still the clear number one target. And I think Diggs was actually pretty underrated last season. Uh he was very, very consistent, but a bit boring. He didn't really have many games that won you weeks last year. He was more consistent and fell back down to earth a little bit. But he was still a top ten receiver for fantasy. And I feel like that he's going to be great once again. So I'm, I've got Stefan Diggs at four. I actually like him at his current values at his ADPs. I really like him at the start of the second round where he's going in a lot of drafts. And then Adams at five. Yeah, you just trust Devontae Adams on the Raiders. Mm-hmm. It just, it's Devontae Adams. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it, they're so close for me. It's just like when you have – Diggs didn't put up like a ton of crazy weeks last year. Like he had a lot of really, really good weeks. Very few – just like league winning or week winning weeks. Yeah, because that's where, what like, people were disappointed by. Because he, yeah. in his first year with Josh Allen, he had a ton of week winning weeks along with amazing consistency. This year, he just fell down back to earth a little bit with those week winning games. He just didn't have as many. Yeah, 164 targets, only to 1,225 yards. That's not that much considering like what he did in the previous year. And he's still going to be incredible. And there's something to be said for just drafting that and then going for upside with your other receivers but I like Adams a little more for that combo. Uh, next tier of guys here on this list. I think we could probably go through this next tier, maybe touch on each guy briefly and then head to like the number 12 guy on fantasy pros and maybe what your thoughts are on him and anyone you'd maybe switch out of those top 12 rankings. But the next guys here on the list are CD lamb at six, Mike Evans at seven Debo at eight Tyree kill at nine Keenan Allen at 10 and AJ Brown at 11. What do you think about these guys? Who would you switch? Who's low? Who's high? Or are they pretty good in general? So here's what I'm just going to read off. Oh, sorry. My voice is starting to uh, lose <laughs> okay. out. Bro. My start is starting to, my voice is starting to lose. I've already recorded two different podcasts today. My wow. voice is, I've, I can feel it right now. My voice is starting to fall out. All right. Um, we'll wrap this up soon. <laughs> it's okay. We're, we're good. Um, so I'm just going to read off my rankings here. So tier one is Jefferson Cup Chase. Then tier two, I have Adams, Diggs, then Adams. At six, I have Debo. Wrapping up tier two. Mm. And then at tier three, number seven, I have Mike Evans. Number eight, I have Keenan Allen. Number nine, I have T. Higgins. 10, CeeDee Lamb. 11, Tyreek Hill. 12, AJ Brown. And 13, wrapping up tier three is Deontay Johnson. So I honestly see like a similar, I have a similar tier. I'm just a little lower on CeeDee Lamb, a little higher on Debo Samuel. But otherwise, I mean, I don't see any huge differences here for my rankings and fantasy pros. Yeah, for sure. I think a couple for me. I see Lamb is too high. Lamb at six is too Lam, high. Lamb at, at six. Lamb at six is like, it's like he's already broken out. Exactly. Like he hasn't. I believe. I believe Ceedee Lamb can have a nice breakout this year. I really do. But ranking him at six is just like, it's like he's already broken out. It's like you rank yeah. him like he he has already done it, and it's just, he hasn't. Absolutely. So, I think he's being drafted a bit high right now. He's being drafted. You, you know, normally right around wide receiver eight or seven. Uh, sometimes even higher, honestly, I've seen him go at like wide receiver five or six. Like people are drafting him a bit high and I want to get, oh my gosh, my voice keeps cracking. <laughs> I'm sorry. My voice keeps cracking so much. Jeez. Um, <clears throat> uh, I want to get him in drafts, but I just can't because he's going too high. Like, he's just going mm-hmm. too high. I'd rather take Debo or Adams or Diggs. I honestly might rather take Mike Evans. I'd rather take Mike Evans. I'd rather take T Higgins. I'd rather take Keenan Allen. Yeah. I'd rather take Debo. I might rather take, I don't even know. I, I Maybe not AJ Brown, but definitely Debo. Definitely Tyreek Hill, who like how, I don't understand like what is shocking to me. The most, like mo- for the most part, these rankings are all right. Might flip like Debo and Evans, for example, might flip Allen and Brown, something like that. 
but Tyree Kill at nine and CD Lamb at six is stunning to me. Yeah, because, I have Tyree Kill like at eleven. He, I have him even lower. That's interesting. I think I I want to make the case here for Tyree Kill because just and I actually did like a bull take on this a couple of weeks back on the podcast. But like yeah, you're like you said, Lamb at six. It's like he's already broken out. I don't see a top five ceiling for CD Lamb. I see six as his ceiling. Like his floor is probably yeah, that's like exactly what fifteen I see. or twenty, and his ceiling is six. And yes. he's got more opportunity. But guess what? Like Amari Cooper, we've had injuries to like Michael Gallup last year and CeeDee Lamb didn't go crazy. Like it's not like, I mean, he's going to be the only guy there. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to go crazy because he's had all the opportunity in the world in this offense in the past and hasn't gone nuts consistently. So, but Tyreek Hill at nine, the reason I love this is not even because I love Tua. It's just because I expect Tyreek to be probably top three this year in receptions and just be absolutely dominant as a PPR gem. Like a lot like we saw in Kansas City, what we're going to see, I think, less of, which is obvious, is the deep ball because nobody can throw the ball as far as Patrick Mahomes. And it's not just going to be Tyreek Hill running down the field 70 yards and being able to haul one in just because of his speed. But with Mike McDaniel here, a creative coach who can use guys in space, this is going to help Tyreek Hill's consistency. This is going to take away those two and three reception games that have plagued him when Tyreek Hill's been used as a decoy for most of the game and like just hasn't connected on that one big deep ball. With Mike McDaniel, who coached Debo Samuel to his elite year last year, I see Tyreek Hill taking, taking throws in the flat, taking them to the house, getting slants, stuff like that. And that's what Tua's best at. Tua has been an accurate short yardage passer who hasn't been a deep ball specialist and has had one of the lowest yards per attempt in the league each of the last couple of years. And why is that not going to continue? Tyreek Hill comes in. I think he's better than Jalen Waddell. I think Jalen Waddell played a lot of that similar role. I think Tyreek Hill becomes the wide receiver one, though, in that role and eclipses Jalen Waddell, who will still be good, maybe just not as elite, and just becomes an absolute target hog. And with his explosiveness, he's one of the few guys who I don't mind operating exclusively near the line because he has the speed to take something to the house at any moment. So I think he becomes a more consistent, slightly less boomer bust guy who maybe won't have as big of huge games, but he's someone who really doesn't take that much of a hit overall in terms of total fantasy points heading to Miami, in my opinion. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm... I am more in on uh, Jalen Waddle. I think Jalen Waddle is still going to have a really big impact here. And I actually disagree with you a little bit. I think, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. It's okay. No bad. problem. Um, I think that Tua is really going to start throwing deep more. I think Mike McDaniel is going to want him to throw deep more. Last year, I think his deep ball was actually really underrated. The stats show that Tua was you know, fairly accurate throwing the deep ball last actually last year. Tua Tagovailoa had the highest adjusting completion rate on deep passes, 20 plus yards, he was at 55.2% as a completion percentage on deep balls, uh, 20 plus more, uh, 20 plus air yards or more. And he only threw them on 7.5% of his attempts, which was 36th among qualifying quarterbacks in the NFL. Like, like he was just, he was just not throwing it deep. The coaches did not let him throw him deep. And, but the, the times he got a chance to, he was really, really good. And he showed that in college as well. He had a really nice deep ball in college as well. So I honestly think that Tyreek Hill is going to be used as a deep threat. I think Jalen Waddle will be used that way as well. So as a result, and as a result, I don't think Tua, like, because here's the thing. I want to rank Tyreek Hill higher, but I feel like if Tyreek Hill's going to be finishing as a top five wide receiver, I feel like Tua is going to have to take an all-world step in 2022, which I personally don't see happening. I see him being a better quarterback, but I don't see him taking the step into like being a top 10 NFL quarterback. I really don't. And as a result, I think it's going to be a merry-go-round each week between these two wide receivers of who has the good week. And that's just going to bump down hill for me. I will say, I just think I, 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 that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, if Waddle takes a lot of role, the role and Tyree kill does become just more of a boomer bust deep threat. Maybe it is a big, bigger hit to his fantasy value. He's got some risk. I mean, for sure. But yeah. what I see the complete comp to, and like a two, two talking about low, a guy who had a 67% completion percentage last year can throw the ball with relative accuracy. And I think, I mean, that it, he didn't throw the ball deep very much. Like you said, a lot of those like 20 plus air yard throws weren't, I mean, I guess full deep balls, but at the same time, I mean, 20 plus air yards that can be considered yeah. a deep ball by any metric. So like, you know, I mean, he, I think he gets a lot more hate than he should for his deep ball, which like you said, was very good in college was still okay in the NFL, but like, no, like not just okay. 
highest adjusting completion rate on deep passes. Highest. I just feel like that's a small, like when you look at that and when you look at how he hasn't thrown deep that much, like very at all. And his like adjusted his air yards per completion has been around like 5.5 over the last couple of years. That's also not very high. So at the same, that that's fair. And he has, he was, I guess, effective when doing that. But the fact that he was almost never tested in that area at the same time, he almost never threw the ball downfield could be because of the offense limiting him, but also just like, yeah, I mean, he's gone through multiple offensive coordinators had the offense changed for him after Fitzpatrick went out. And that might just be a reason for that. But that's the reason I see, like, whether you think Tua's ball, deep ball is good, great, whatever. Um, I see Tyreek Hill as potentially the next Debo Samuel, who everyone wants to find the next Debo Samuel. And obviously there's not no. going to be, like, the next Debo no Samuel because Debo he's such Samuel. a unique player. No one. I I, I love I love you, Calvin. I hate that when people okay. say that. I, I agree with you. And I will... No one is going to be the next Debo. No one is going to be the next Debo. I hate when people say that. I know it's Mike McDaniel. I know Tyreek Hill has the speed, but no one is the next Debo, Sam. I should clarify. No yes, for sure. Because it's not the next Debo in terms of, I mean, Debo Samuel, I, there's no, not going to be, I don't know if there's ever going to be another Debo who ran the ball as much as he did. No, there's no, and there's was no is unique. and took as many jet sweeps. I don't mean the next Debo in the sense that he's going to start taking carries out of the backfield, but like the next Debo in the sense that he is a guy who is playing with a quarterback who hasn't broken out. Like, I don't have that much the confidence. Offense is built around him. Is that what you mean? Yeah. The offense is built around him. He's okay. a guy who's in an offense with other threats, Jalen Waddle, like Debo Samuel was with George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. And yet he got so many manufactured touches in space. And I'm not just talking about, again, carries. I mean, manufactured touches in short yardage areas to where even with his mediocre quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Tua Tagovailoa, who are very similar, you can still have elite fantasy production. And Mike McDaniel, of course, was the OC in, for the 49ers now the head coach for the Dolphins. But yeah, I actually, I should not have used that phrase. I have talked about in the past too, how I hate like the next James Robinson from a couple of years yeah, ago. Everyone like tried that. to find like, that. I hate, I hate most of the, most of those like phrases, like the next Cooper cup, the next James Robinson, the next Cordell Patterson. I hate those phrases. Cause those like, those things are not going to come to life like that. It's not accurate. Yeah. And it's, it's just, happen. I think a lot of times it's not meant to be entirely, I, I did not mean it to be entirely literal because that's just yes. that saying that phrase literally Really, you think he's going to get eight carries and 96 yards for a touchdown out of the backfield and also have an elite fantasy game in wide receiver like he did last year? Or just like consistently like get like how many attempts did he have? Like 80 attempts in the second half last year. That's not going to happen for Tyree Kill, but he could be used similarly in the passing game. Yeah, like just as the centerpiece of the offense. Absolutely. I totally see that. Yeah. The problem is, the problem is for me, oh my goodness. The problem (laughs) for me is that I don't see. Mike McDaniel wanting to use Tyreek Hill as a centerpiece if he has Jalen Waddle, because Jalen Waddle is such like he showed so much talent last year. Like I feel like Jamar Chase's rookie season just like covers what Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith too. We we won't talk about him, but what Jalen Waddle did in his rookie year broke the reception record, had a thousand yards, had an unbelievable rookie year, carried to its Tagovailoa through this season. So I really think that he's going to be involved and that as a result, it's going to hurt Tyree Kill's fantasy value. Yeah, that's fair. I just like Waddle's not going away for sure because he had a fantastic rookie no year. Way. He's already got the connection. No one's going to force Jalen Waddle out of his offense. Absolutely. But I think there's a path for solid production from him and elite production from Tyree Kill. But yeah, that's just one we're going to have to find out about at the start of the season because it's always so hard to know when the wide receivers who switch teams. I just think he's underrated at the moment. But and uh, also, one last one last thing to throw sure. about Tyree Kill. When you look at wide receivers, right, and you look at their careers, and you look at when they start to fall off, the first thing a wide receiver always loses is their speed and their athleticism. And Tyree Kill had all the power in the world to keep him. And I don't know if Tyree Kill really wanted to leave. I mean, this is Patrick Mahomes' offense, Super Bowl contending team. They had all the world, uh, I mean, all the power in the world to get him on the team. And they decided, you know what? No, we're going to trade him for a ton of picks. I feel like, and with the injuries Hill has suffered lately, I am starting to actually get a bit worried about Hill and his time left as an elite producer in the NFL. Because the first thing your wide receiver loses is speed. He's now 28 years old, turning 29 this season, I believe. Like, that's nearing 30. 
that's getting really, really close to a cliff. So I'm actually genuinely a little bit concerned about Tyreek Hill potentially not being the Kansas City Tyreek Hill in Miami. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's a concern that you can have for sure. But just I saw that move more about just like not having the wherewithal to pay him record-breaking money, which he got in Miami. Because it was the same thing for Devontae Adams. Like, I don't think Devontae Adams is falling off, but they just couldn't pay Devontae Adams in Green Bay because they were paying Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's it didn't mean necessarily that they're falling off. I mean, maybe, like, I don't know. It, the cliff could be coming soon, but he's still 28, like you said. That's not ancient. And I can I think no, it's, it's going to be something, but, again, but like, it's, it's going to be a sudden seen... fall off, though. So there is some risk, for sure. If you come it's in sudden. and then yeah, suddenly – go ahead. Okay, because, yeah, it's going to be – but the thing is we haven't seen a receiver like Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. Like, we haven't seen him before. Yeah. We haven't seen another him age out. So we don't know. We can't say we know because we've seen other receivers start to age out 30. We don't know what a Tyreek Hill level speed – like a speed demon like Tyreek Hill is going to do. We don't know yeah. how he's going to age out of the NFL because we haven't never seen that before. So Tyreek Hill is really, really interesting. I think that – I think that the Chiefs may have traded him away because they're starting to get a little bit. They may not want to pay him because they're getting concerned. How much time does this guy really have left? You know. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, I I totally I tro- I don't think it's not a huge concern to for me, but it's something mm-hmm. to at least watch out for. Yeah. I mean, I think he's I think he's gonna be okay for this year, but overall, just in general, like it, it is. It, you're right. He's a total outlier. For years, like NFL teams, they were trying to find. Like we talked about the next guy, they were trying to find the next Tyreek Hill. Yeah. And years and years and years of draft picks were wasted on guys like that who were just fast and nothing else. Literally, the Chiefs did it with McCole Hardman. And John Ross. John Ross. Jalen Rager. Literally all Jaylen of those guys. I mean, and it's so hard to just know for sure. But I'm, I think there's a very high probability that he comes in and continues his elite production. So it's something to watch out for. But that was a great uh, discussion for sure. And I think a wide range of opinions on Tyree Kill coming into next year. I will take the value on him that I see as a value. But I can definitely understand that other side too, because there's multiple elite guys in an offense with an unproven quarterback. So it's hard to know. Yeah, definitely. All right. So wanna if there's anyone else you want to go through, we just went through like the top 11 guys pretty much. So anybody else you want to talk about, or we can just wrap it up right here. I know your voice is giving out, but I think we went through, I mean, we went through the top guys, went through some polarizing rooms. So yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it's been a great show. So anyone else you want to go through? Um, I just want to give a shout out to um, <clears throat> Mike Evans. Oh yeah. Uh, I really think Mike Evans with Chris Godwin, uh, you know, his, his injury he's dealing with, with Russell, I mean, sorry, with uh, Antonio Brown and Gronk now gone. I think legit, I like this is a legit hot take that I've started to come up with. I legit think that Mike Evans could break the touchdown record this year. Mm, wow. I think there's a good, I think there's a chance that Mike Evans could actually go out there and break the touchdown record this year with Tom Brady at quarterback. Jeez. So I, I'm, I'm really, I'm all in on Mike Evans. I'm really, yeah, that's, that's bold, but I mean, there's not a, there's few better guys to do it than there's Mike so Evans. There's so much opportunity for him this year. So much opportunity. For sure. There is a lot of opportunity so with just, AB gone. I love him in drafts. There's that consistency again. And I mean, who's been more consistent than the guy who had like seven straight a thousand yard seasons to start his career. So that's yeah. a, that's a hot, hot take, but I, I don't mind it at all. Yeah, I just I love Mike Evans. The opportunities there. I mean, didn't Randy Moss break it when he was uh, like with Tom Brady? I f- I don't know for sure. You could be right about that. I'm pretty sure when they had their season together, he broke the touchdown record, and he was 30 at that point. And that mm-hmm. was Randy Moss when he was 30. And guess who his quarterback was? It was Tom Brady. And guess who broke his a thousand yards receiving record or consecutive seasons of a thousand yard rece- receiving to start a career? Mike, Mike Evans, Evans broke the Randy Moss record of six. Mike Evans so. broke that record. Why not yeah. break the touchdown record then? So basically what we've learned is Mike Evans is the best wide receiver to ever play. Yes, much. That, that is. That is <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, I don't see why he's not the wide receiver one next year. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I like, I don't mind that take at all. That's a, that's like, he's such a great touchdown scorer and probably top five in the league in terms of red zone threats at this point, oh, especially with his QB. So absolutely. yeah, anyone else you want to go through or is you want to wrap it up? No, I, there's no one else. I mean, yeah, no one else really want to touch on here. All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Thanks for hopping on the show. Uh, and it's great to have you as always lots of debates there, of course. And yeah, I mean, so next week guys tune in for a tight end preview. 
might have another guest on that. We'll see how that pans out for next week. But yeah, Hutch, tell people where they can find you one more time. You're all over the place, a rising star here in the industry. So let's hear where people can find you. I appreciate it, Calvin. So you all can go follow me on Twitter at TYFMNFL. I might actually be changing that handle soon anyway. Um, <clears throat> geez, I'm sorry about my voice. You know, yeah, and, uh, check out Hutchinson Brown's Fantasy Football Perspective. Uh, check out my work with football guys. I post shorts on their YouTube channel. And check out my work uh, I write for DLF, Dynasty League Football. So go check that out as well. And I'm at Hutchinson Brown on TikTok. I've started a TikTok account recently. But yeah, I'm so sorry about my voice, guys. I mean, uh, I was really hoping I could get through today without it like breaking, but uh, towards the end, it got rough. I'm really, really sorry to the listeners. It's all good. I really, I mean, I really didn't notice much until the end. So I think you're totally yeah, fine. But go ahead, get yeah. some rest with that. Um, I'm sure you'll be taking the rest of the day off <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. from podcasting. So yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. Great show. Uh, make sure to tune in again next week as well, and I'll see you next time.